Welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast, which covers the latest in health and technology through interviews with disruptive health startups and leaders. So you are listening to one of our first 20 episodes. So first of all, thank you so much for listening. As you can imagine with the podcast, they get more and more popular, which ours certainly did after episode 20. So we started giving proper introductions, long introductions, and we upgraded our equipment and everything like that. So that's why you're hearing from me now, because we're putting this at the start of every one of those first 20 episodes. So I am your host. My name is James Someru. I'm an anesthetics and intensive care doctor by background. So I practiced for five years. I did loads of different jobs in policy and leadership within the UK NHS. I've run two different health tech accelerators to help startups grow, access different markets in the UK and abroad. And now I'm a co-founder of HS and we build, scale and invest in the best health tech startups. So if you want to get in touch with us, then head on over to the description of this podcast. In there, you will find all of the links to our social media, website, emails, etc. So click on those, follow us, let us know what you think of the podcast and feel free to suggest any guests. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Connect with us. Let us know what you think. Welcome to this week's episode of the HS Podcast. Uh, my name's James, and with me this week, I have Rick Rowan, who is a health tech entrepreneur and founder of a company called NeuroCore, which makes a wearable painkilling technology which uses microcurrent therapy. So Rick was previously in real estate for over 10 years, but he developed quite a debilitating chronic back pain. And like quite a lot of people in that position, ended up taking very high and often too high doses of prescription painkillers. But then he experienced electrotherapy, um, saw that it really worked for him, um, and he's built a company now to help bring that technology, which is FDA approved, to all sorts of people around the globe. Um, so Rick, before we go any further, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you, James. I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. So, Rick, um, I've given you somewhat of an introduction there, but for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us your story? Sure. Uh, look, I, I had a wonderful career in real estate. I, I don't have uh, any regrets. It gave me a lot of grounding, for, for particularly for for business, for personal relationships and building of networks and, and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people for, for any project, really. Um, my back pain issue actually started, my recollection of it started when I was approximately about 10 years old. Uh, I had my first incidence. I remember, um, you know, being in, in somewhat debilitating pain, or at least from my memory of, of that, um, and being taken to the GP and, uh, you know, him physically examining me. Uh, and aside from that, <laughs> that, that was the end of it. Take some, some rest. That ended up plaguing me through my, my teen years. Um, also with a, a knee problem the knee problem being a split patella ended up being operated on and i'll say unsuccessfully because there was no physical improvement in fact it took me quite some time to recover and then i sort of had a, a weak leg you know right through until my my 30s the back pain issue continued it was you know i might need to be operated on to to fix that but thankfully that was avoided um given the, the knee outcome and also to the, the statistics for successful um, back pain operations. Uh, in any case, c cutting to 
to the later years in my 30s, my back pain really started to plague me. As in, um, you know, I'd have to think about things like simple things like washing the car or putting my shoes on and then later uh, with children, you know, whether I was picking them up and it would just really, it was really having a negative impact on my quality of life. Something that sort of sat there in the background. When it was really bad, you know, it would sort of, sort of send you into a depressive state of, of isolation and, um, yeah, just feeling like there was, you know, just this weight just couldn't take off. Uh, and it was always plaguing me in the back of the mind, you know, wh whatever I was doing, I had to think about, you know, was it going to have an effect or was it going to tweak, tweak my back or cause me to have an incident? Um, purely by accident, uh, just at the end of my real estate career, I was looking for a new opportunity. I came across uh, what we, you know, most people call a TENS machine or a generic um, stimulator. Uh, looking into this and, and playing around with it, I'd never seen it before, seen one before. Uh, I found that it gave me very good back pain relief. Then, uh, you know, thinking that it might have just been me, I started to use my family and friends as test subjects and get them to try it. And the outcomes were positive. I started to look into the opportunity itself more and saw that there was actually no science behind it. Being quite science-minded myself, this was very interesting. Also, from a commercial um, opportunity, it showed me that there was huge scope to both improve the science, improve the product and application, as well as uh, help people like myself who had suffered for 30-odd years uh, with this debilitating issue and never having been offered anything like this uh, before. You know, there was something used like it in the physio when I did have physio sessions, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't really understand at that age what, what the physios were doing um, to me, but it was always a temporary um, relief. Uh, other options for the doctors were injections for muscle relaxants or, or um, anesthesia, you know, a range of things, cocktails, as you said, of, of, of painkillers, which really made me feel quite unwell. And the last straw was when I did see a GP. Um, it wasn't actually that long ago, I want to say that in, in the last decade. And I was suggested anti-inflammatories, further anti-inflammatories for my neck and my back at this time. And uh, the suggestion that I take 3,000 milligrams of paracetamol, I asked how long I needed to take that for. And the simple answer was, well, as long as you need it or, you know, ongoing. And I, I just refused to, to accept uh, that. So I went off them, but uh, still had the pain and issues. So uh, the, you know, the outcome of using bioelectrical therapy for me has been entirely life-changing and, and the driver behind, um, you know, what I've been doing for the last four to five years. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? That it, for me as an anesthetist, you know, I, I've done, I've done bits and bobs of pain and, and, you know, done pain clinics and things and back pain is just one of those things that it just changes people's lives. And it, it seems that, that as you've experienced as, as clinicians, often we can go down these different routes that we think are going to work. You know, we can refer to physio, we can, you know, pass back to the GP. We can do these different things within the pain clinic, be that acupuncture or what, what, what you you're referring to, which is reverting to painkillers. And then once you start, it's one of those things where you just need to often keep increasing the dose and increasing the mm. dose. Um, you know, someone quite close to me that had a very similar, um, a very similar experience and, and without knowing, 
you know, that person ended up on more than what was, you know, physically allowed for someone of that size, you know, and, and they just slipped through the cracks, I'd say, of mm. the system um, because the system doesn't look after people on opioids very well, I don't think, in my experience. Um, but it's interesting that you've kind of taken it upon yourself to then go, okay, well, you know, here's a problem. I, I've, I've found something that kind of works and let me kind of build a company that, that might bring this to more people. So yeah. How did you go from, from where you stopped that story there to then, you know, having that idea, you know, you realize that tens works, which, you know, is a transcutaneous um, electrical therapy for those that don't know. So tiny electric current that runs through the body and, and gives pain relief. So yeah, you've gone from realizing that works to then building a company. So yeah, tell us all about that. So looking into the, the, the science, um, you know the way my brain works is uh, everything is by you know logical deduction or logical application. So I started to look at why why was it working was was the core question. And then looking through the studies, there was such a variance of um, efficacy or, or outcome from positive to to negative. And then uh, looking further, starting to just using purely um, peripheral nerve stimulation as, as an example every study used a different protocol and understanding that each protocol elicits a different outcome and that outcome can be different from patient to patient. I started to understand that what, why the, the review or study process w- was flawed because you know, what, what worked for me one day didn't work the next. So I need a different formulation, a different frequency or, or protocol. And that's the reason why, you know, a lot of, even though the, these, cheaper and non-scientific products um some of them work anyway because you know they just happen to be hitting the spot on the day or for that particular application so I started to look at formulating or, or how to formulate uh frequencies themselves for peripheral nerve and then started to look at the neuromuscular benefits such as the production of of you know uh artificial exercise or contraction of the muscle and the benefits that had on the body, the low frequency applications for endorphin release, the, the science was just was going on and on and on and still does. And then how to formulate those into, you know, the, the most useful or broad spectrum applications for the consumer so that it worked for me um, more of the time and it worked for more people more of the time. And, uh, you know, to then put that power into to the hands of, of the many rather than the few and thus was you know born the the prospect of a a commercial entity and my previous company that i co-founded um there was limitations to that and i just started to discover the science of microcurrent which is uh, uh, you know another treatment or technology or modality altogether by the way that it that it acts within the body but lots of overlap in the benefits so um, having parted ways with my previous company, Neuracore was formed. So in all intents and purposes, we're a, a, you know, a startup still, but we've, we've got product distributed within five countries and we've you know, got a launch product to market and we've got a pipeline of, you know, I think, amazing products for, for the consumer as well as medical, as well as you know, the, the sports side of things um, coming in the next six to 12 months. But they, we're using a, a holistic approach to, or multimodal approach to how we um, impact both pain and, in some instances, the cause of pain. Using particularly 
microcurrent and the additional circulation of, of injured areas. Cool. So, I mean, so on the story so far then, so obviously, you know, post real estate, you've had all this back pain, you've decided, okay, here's a, here's a sort of technology that works. These, you know, tiny electric currents is working for me. You've started playing around with it to see like, okay, so I realized that on some days I need this amount on other days I need a different amount. You've realized there's this other technology coming through called um, microcurrent technology. And then you've realized, okay, we can, we can wrap a company around this and we can, you know, distribute this to the to the many not the few as you've said um who then built the product and then so who, who did you find that could build this for you how did you go on that journey um and tell us a bit more about what the product actually looks like and feels like to somebody so looking at uh pre-existing products within the marketplace uh, there was a, a number for the most part most of the handheld uh devices were still I'll say non-scientific, it doesn't apply to all. And then you had the, the larger machines that were used either in, in practice or by practitioners who had an expertly trained um, you know, and medically trained um, driver. So someone that's actually able to use the machine for, for the application needed. So what we've take, tried to do is take all of the, that science and put it into the formulations into a, a handheld device. Now we use, uh, you know, there's... The majority of electronics in the world are made in China. And, you know, at, for, for, at the moment, ours is no different. We manufacture in China. We looked for a product that was convenient and easy to use. One of the issues with a lot of um, other devices on the market is they're quite com complex to, to actually take out of the box and just use. So we, we focused putting uh, recommended usages such as pain, pain plus being pain and, and inflammation type applications uh, training for, for those that are using it for for muscle training and that could be you know recovery post-surgery or even pre-surgery and then the recovery areas so you know the gentle recovery cycle of warm down of uh, muscle activation post-surgery or, or post-trauma and then the microcurrent application which is a, a formulation of a, a you know four frequencies that are commonly used for reduction of inflammation pain relief and uh, nervous system inflammation and we put those into simple apps into a handheld device uh, that you know is as simple as we can make to use portable you can carry it anywhere uh, it's you know at the at the sort of mid-range level of medical devices handheld in this in this category but we believe that it's it provides something on them in the marketplace and particularly by way of treatment that no other product on the market does as well as obviously the, the science that we've put behind it. Mm. And for the people that have used it, I mean, obviously you've probably got a lot of data of, of, of how good it is. So mm. yeah, who is, who is using this? Who's this device for, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So who's, who's this device for? Um, do you have a specific type of um, patient or specific type of population? Or is this the sort of thing that's for everybody with any sort of chronic pain? <laughs> That's a, a really good question. The, the product itself was developed with the consumer or end user in mind, i.e. The, the pain sufferer, uh, the gym goer, uh, the, the um, novice athlete, uh, to you know, the, the, the young to the elderly. My, my, my kids use the device, uh, my, my eldest daughter in particular, who's, who's 10, she's been using bioelectrical therapy for the last three years for growing pains. She, that's all all she's ever known for pain relief she's you know we've been fortunate to have 
she's been fortunate, should I say, to have grown up in a family that, uh, that you know, we don't use pharmaceuticals for pain relief or haven't used them, should I say. Um, so it was devised for, for the many. That's probably one of our, our biggest challenges is um, by way of marketing communication because it can be used by literally anybody. And what's happening, even though this is a consumer-based device, is we're getting professional athlete uh, and, you know, team athlete uh, inquiries, as well as, you know, we've made absolutely huge inroads into uh, medical specifically for, for you know, very high level. I'm talking about pain teams in hospitals. And the product was never de designed for that. But, you know, we've been simply incredibly surprised by how well both the product has been received, but more so how effective it's been. Uh, you know, anecdotally, you know, we're in the, the outcome range of positive for 80% plus, which for us is just overwhelmingly surprising, to be honest. Um, mm. We've obviously done quite a good job. and We're very happy about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so... You know, the simple answer is it is for everybody, but was never intended to be. I mean, we have got specific product lines for, you know, for professional athletes. But even so, we've had professional athletes already come on board, you know, wanting to be ambassadors of the product because they've had incredible results themselves. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to talk about this approach, actually, this sort of consumer approach mm -hmm. um, that you've taken. You know, it's, it's a technology that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as, as an ex anesthetist, I can, I can tell you that, yeah, electrical therapy is going to make sense. We do have tens machines and all these different things. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're using this microcurrent version of it to obviously reduce the amount of electricity that you're, that you're using. And also it's more targeted. It's, ch mm -hmm. you know, you can change it every day, depending on the type of pain and things. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, I, I recently, I think we spoke about this before, but I, I recently went to an event that Abbott were doing. So, you know, huge, you know, medical device company. Um, they've just uh, released a, a product, um, a DRG stimulator, so a dorsal root ganglion stimulator, mm. you know, using almost exactly the same thing as what you told me, you know, small, tiny amounts of current, which they can apply. That's, that's an invasive one though. So that's inside the body that they apply um, that current to. But, you know, the patients that they had speaking there saying exactly the same things as you're saying, you know, the, mm. the effectiveness is just enormous. Yes. So whilst Abbott have gone obviously down the medical device route and, and going very sort of hospital patient specific, what you've managed to do is obviously use a similar technology and actually direct it to the consumer. So was all of that a, a deliberate play to kind of avoid the necessity to go down that medical route? Because it actually seems like you've, you've almost got that credibility too, because you've gone the consumer route, you've, you've somewhat proven that this definitely works and is in is helping people and and obviously pain teams in hospitals and things are now turning around to you and going oh let's have a go let's have a go with that it's <laughs> it's transcutaneous it's outside the skin so you know we might as well give it a go it, it's it's an interesting approach it, it is and you, absolutely i mean neurocore itself is you know for the consumer uh, our vision or objective is to to you know, help people uh, with bioelectronic medicine as as the the tool to help people globally, both with reduction in pain as well as you know improvement of physical health. Um, the the non invasive side of things was always you know that's that's what we are, that's what we do. I mean, the, in regards to the pain team, um, ordinarily what would happen is you know a, a medical device company would take this technology um, through through the normal medical or physician channels and then it's it's basically prescribed out if you like um, 
you know, two patients and so on as a, as a treatment modality. The pain clinics in, in particular were driven by consumers who had used the product, had amazing results, and then, you know, asking their doctors or, or, or the pain team why you didn't, why, why mm. you didn't give me this, why you didn't know about this, um, you know, and they should suggest that they call us. And that, that's been the driver for, for a number of meetings that we've had with, uh, you know, pain teams or hospitals, uh, one in particular in Oslo. Oh, interesting. Mm. I see it quite a lot, actually. Um, Bottom-up demand, putting pressure yeah. on the buyers to actually do something. I, yeah, we see it with with lots and lots and lots of different health tech products. Um, mm. And it's something that, that you guys will definitely be, um, I suppose, increasingly um, reliant on to, to get sales done at that kind of B2B level. It, it, it certainly doesn't do any harm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing that I wanted to touch on, so just because it's quite cool, is the amount of athletes that you've got using this stuff and and advocating for it, and you know, ambassadorship for it. You know, I've had a quick look around on on the internet, and I found snowboarders, I found you know people in athletics, um, and across into the medical sphere, even you know people with MS that, yes. that are suffering from pain and things like that. It's, it seems that whilst you know, arguably somewhat anecdotally, but you know, a growing sort of evidence base is clearly there for how much this is actually working. Yes. I mean, we are, you know, to, to steal a, a term, we are, we are the body electric. So everything that, that happens within the body is, is an electrical process. And, you know, through whether that's through microcurrent at a cellular level, uh, whether that's through, uh, peripheral nerve stimulation at a nerve sensory level, whether that's you know neuromuscular activation, we are there's there's so many areas of um, good or or impact that can be had. Um, you know, M- MS is an interesting one because they've got the pain issue. You as well, you know, got things like um, drop foot and the nerve synapse and and you know a range of things. I and mean, we've seen positive impact for for you know stroke sufferers. Uh, diabetics, diabetic neuropathy, you're talking about uh, the ability to improve circulation through not just microcurrent application, but as well as the neuromuscular application for the stimulation of the lower limb to help with non, non-healing um, ulcers and sores. The list just goes on and on for the application of bioelectronic medicine. Really, it's almost a case of the, not only the sky's the limit, but you know, where could you imagine that we might have impact? And for the most part, we've we've been able to successfully make inroads for those areas. So let's talk about this from a business perspective then. Um, when you had the idea to create this product device, um, did you go out and raise money to do so? Were you self-funded? How did you go about building it from a business perspective? So initially uh, to, to get things underway, we were self-funded. We then took on um, early stage seed investment actually from a, the CEO of a, a global uh, plant protein company because they're, they're, they're customers you know, who are looking for a, a more natural, healthy uh, improvement in health, uh, uh, not dissimilar to ours, but we had shared vision in our, in our uh, want to, to do good from a health perspective. Mm. Uh, also, his business was derived from his want to help his daughter who was actually an MS sufferer. So it was just seemed like a really good alignment. I mean, we are we are about to, or we are preparing for capital raise right now. 
you know, we're at a point where we've got so many projects or opportunities to activate that you know we we're at the stage now where we need to raise funds to to further that progress or to accelerate it you know we to allow us to do in the next two years you know what might take four or five organically or even longer um so we aside from that early stage investment no we're right at that point now we are only 11 months old and and what we've achieved thus far is um we use the word incredible a lot it's part of part of our strap line Mm. Um, but you know we want to do more incredible we want to do more amazing and um, the opportunities are coming thick and fast and we want to make sure that we're making the best uh, use of those opportunities if you like yeah and it seems a good time to raise right i mean you're you're selling you're selling into five different countries you're obviously seeing that uptick in your sales and so you know as a time to raise it's it's obviously a good one um Mm. the other thing i was just going to mention is is it's interesting who you raised from as well um Mm. i see it a lot in this sector that so many people are driven by these by these motivations that that sit deep within them and it's it's such a such a common thing in health that as you say it's a it's a ceo of a company that has a shared vision so he's motivated from that point but also from that personal story of his daughter um yes suffering with with a condition that that can be helped by this and and mm-hmm. we often see that with angel investors as well you know it's, it's mm-hmm. advice that we give to people is try and find people that have those shared motivations that you know you, you'll both run through the brick wall together to get this company built <laughs> to, to get that's a good analogy done, right? <laughs> exactly um and it's easier to run through a brick wall when there's two of you trying to break it down i suppose or a few of you um yeah so i guess on that note then how has being a patient founder helped you in building miracle well it's certainly i mean it's helped me from from the driver or the vision i mean my own personal story and and let's call it suffering for that matter was a huge motivator i mean my life has simply changed uh both from you know my early discovery of of the technology itself which i'm grateful for but of course then my own ability to to focus this science for for the outcome so i mean my life has changed for the better my quality of life has changed um you know at my period in in life or at at my age you're really looking for a why and you know the want to help as many others as as possible is part of that why there's also further personal personal reason my my brother has a a rod in his hip um is also uh, arthritic prone and you know the device has given him relief that he was able to get no other way and you know he he's also been on a cocktail of painkillers and anti-inflammatories for years and years and years it's helped him um on a rather personal note my my mother is suffering from a type of cancer pain and you know already on a, a cocktail of of um pills and you know my ability to help her with her pain uh, has also been a personal driver as well, but you know it's it's I suppose internally it's hard to explain your why, but you, when something drives you as strong as it does, um, you know all of the distractions, all of the challenges, uh, although sometimes seem insurmountable, um, sort of they fall by the wayside as you keep focusing on why you're doing it and and what the outcome is that you want from it. And just playing devil's advocate here, obviously there's, there's loads and loads and loads of people that this does work for. Mm-hmm. Are there instances that this doesn't work? Look, absolutely there is, but I'll, I'll say this is look, most certainly um, bioelectronic medicine is not the panacea for, for everything, nor is our product, the current product, the panacea for all types of 
pain. There's many, many underlying medical issues and variances that would affect that. But what we are interested in is, is those that, you know, we, we can help. One of the things we do commercially, and, you know, we've been lucky thus far, um, you know, in the, in the three months that product has been to market, we haven't had one yet, is that we, you know, we're that confident in what the product does that we have a, a, a no qualms 30-day money-back guarantee. So simply if somebody purchases the product and it doesn't work for them, uh, you know, we'll we'll take it back. We'll, we'll repay the money. And thus far, we've had zero returns, surprisingly. And when I say surprisingly, because as I say, we are still still being surprised ourselves by, by how good, you know, this, mm. this initial product is. Um, but adding to that, occasionally, if somebody's not getting the results that they are looking for, um, they'll lend it to a family friend or member who's got an issue. Mm. And statistically, um, given our, you know, our, our current anecdotal data, um, it's going to work for them. And it, and it has. So, uh, you know, it's not to say that it has, has worked for everybody, but it, for everybody who's commercially purchased mm. the product, um, it's worked in one way or another. And is it regulated for any sort of safety or, or you know, medical device standards or anything along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. As a medical device, um, all of our products must comply with um, medical CE, but in particular also FDA um, for, you know, TENS machines, neuromuscular stimulation machines, mm-hmm. microcurrent therapy devices, um, all fall within a, what's called a class 2A category uh, for, for device safety. So in light of that, what's next for Neurocore? We've got a number of projects, um, product projects, areas of interest uh, within Neurocore that we are going to be directing our focus on. Uh, some of those areas are our women's health, so things like uh, period pain, endometriosis, uh, other other sort of women-specific healthcare issues that we believe uh, bioelectrical medicine may have a huge impact on. Neuromuscular monitoring, something close to your heart, uh, which is used uh, when blocking agents are used for sedation during um, anesthesia. Um, they, what they do is they measure the neuromuscular function of the patient or, or monitor it through uh, nerve stimulation. So we are looking at how that, that's already in use at the moment, but we feel that some, some huge improvements that can be made both from ease of use um, and thus adoption, particularly for that market. But it's already extensively used throughout Europe and UK. We haven't done the data research in other uh, areas of the globe, but just those two markets is absolutely incredible. That's the train of four, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So that's what we, so for the listeners, you know, that's what anesthetists will use to um, see if uh, like a neuromuscular block is wearing off during, during surgery. So yeah, interesting, interesting place to try and innovate. (laughs) Shall I call on you for some help with that? (laughs) Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Keep me updated. We're also releasing later this year, a specifically an athlete product. So, Although our current consumer product is, is being used and loved by, you know, Olympic level athletes up, or up to Olympic level athletes, should I say, uh, we have got a, a high-end app-driven specific athlete product or range, range of products coming out that will be focusing on power, strength, recovery, and, um, you know, with a professional athlete in mind. But, of course, if something benefits a professional athlete, it goes without saying that it's going to benefit. Uh, it, you know, the average user. 
or, or the hobbyist or the weekender for sure. So I just want to move us on then and talk a bit more broadly about the problem that you're solving kind of more on a population level. As I said, you know, at the very start, you know, that, that story that I've got around knowing somebody that, that fell between the cracks and ended up on, you know, lots of opioids and things. It's more than one person that I know, to be perfectly honest. Yes. Um, th- this, what <laughs> you is are honest, Dennis, and I need to test. Well, test indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as opposed patients, I've definitely seen them. Um, yeah, as friends, I've even seen a couple. But um, this opioid epidemic that mm-hmm. is talked about—how do you how do you define that? First of all, from from where you're stood, it's a it's definitely a global epidemic. I mean, there's there's so many factors. Uh, you know, without you know pointing fingers, I mean, there's a there's a lot of education issues. Um, for the most part, you know, you could there's, there's plenty of areas you could point fingers, but let's just look at look at it and look at the solution rather than the actual problem. The, what, one of the um, issues is that uh, doctors, in in general, as prescribers, that that you can tell them to to prescribe less, but they don't have the tools to hand to offer the patient alternatives. You know, as we, as we said earlier, they could even send them as a as a referral to a physio or or some other um, therapy. But as for actual pain relief for that patient, you know, leaving that office for something they can do now or in the next day or next week, there's not a lot of options. And we want to solve the problem when Correct. someone's there in pain, right? We yeah, want exactly. To solve that problem and and it, I agree. It, it's an easy solution. It's it's often the easiest solution to just mm-hmm. say, you know, we'll just increase the dose or something on those lines. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, there was. I mean, there was a recent in January um, last year, uh, BMJ British Medical Journal analysis of opioid prescribing for chronic musculoskeletal pain in the UK. Uh, they the study was across 25 general practices and two community services in the UK, London, and Midlands. Mm. They had 703 chronic pain participants and the data was over 12 months. Uh, what they found was that uh, 59% were of patients were prescribed opioids. Among those prescribed, the number of prescriptions varied from patient to patient, but there was 3,319 uh, prescriptions out of 703 uh, participants, which is is quite large. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know that that's the the level of use for you know for that's for chronic pain users. You know these are these are people that are in 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 absolute chronic pain. I mean the cost per patient varied from three pounds to nearly five thousand pounds average annual prescription costs depending on you know what they were what they prescribed and yeah approximately 40 percent of them received prescriptions of strong opioids per year um it, 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 it you know how do you create a solution to that um without sort of making awareness or, or being on the the front foot being out there and making um not just the public but making the medical fraternity aware of the you know, other options, effective options is probably the better word um, for for patient care because they just they just don't don't know. Uh, when I had a recent um, hernia operation, the, you know, the, the staff were almost insistent that, or the nursing staff were almost insistent that I take opioids as painkillers. Uh, to be honest with you, I hid the device um, 
under the covers and was <laughs> using microcurrent um, as a as a as a pain reliever, and that's all I used. I didn't actually need uh, the opioids, although they were you know insistent that I that I did need them. Uh, recently, uh, one of our commercial partners, our videographer partners, uh, also she had a hernia op. She had never seen our device. We sent it to her pre-operatively. She'd never seen it before, never touched it, never used it. Um, she just took it with her. And she messaged me the day of the operation. She said, look, um, I've, they've given me opioids, but, you know, how do I, how do I try this um, when I get home? Uh, so she did try it. She messaged me and she said, this is, you know, unbelievable. This is the most pain relief I've had um, with lower dosage of opioids. And there's a whole science behind that. Um, you know, is this, am I imagining it or is it, is it true? <laughs> so, mm. because people are often in disbelief. And I said, look, no, you know, obviously there could be a placebo effect, but, um, you know, from our own evidence, um, it's true. In any case, long story short, she couldn't actually handle the side effects of the opioids, so she ended up just using the device, as did I, for her pain relief and post-operative management. So, you know, that, that there's these options there, but the, the surgeon or, or, you know, the, the carers, the, the hospital, would never have thought to offer this solution to a patient post-operatively. Mm. And this is, you know, this is an area that we really need to to work on this. I've seen firsthand people able to come off, obviously it needs to be under medical supervision, but mm. come off opioids long-term mm. as well as you know, supplement um, their dosages, which as you pointed out earlier, is often ever increasing um, by using, you know, a, a technology that's effective for pain relief. Yeah. And the, the issue you're talking about there is one of adoption, right? Mm. And we know, well, I say we, I, I, I've, I've seen this, for a lot of my career, the the issue is not building technology. The technology is already here. Mm-hmm. It's getting it adopted, right? Yes. And so for you, I, I, I can see both sides of the fence here, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm in tech and mm-hmm. um, you know, I deal with lots of startups trying to get this stuff adopted. But similarly, I can, I can understand where clinicians sit on that and they'll want a huge amount of evidence for, for something to even be considered. They'll want, they'll want to know everything about the device. They want to know everything about the side effects and this and that and the other. And they'll want randomized control trials and all these different things, even though it mm-hmm. might be safe. Because I you know, put myself in that situation, that's what I'd want. Yes. But at the same time, I also do want the opportunity to try that because yes. it's an easy drug-free solution with, with minimal, if any, side effects. It is something that is interesting from that point of view. So I can see, I guess, the, the dichotomy there between how clinicians might think about adopting something new like this. But from my perspective, even from the clinician perspective, what I'm, what I'm thinking here is that there's a huge issue to be solved in allowing people to come off those opioids that you've just described and whether that's in the acute setting post-operatively mm-hmm. or whether that's actually in the outpatient setting with people in chronic pain or, or from a pain clinic point of view you know getting people off opioids is just a huge 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 issue and anything that i could have done to help that process would have um, you know for primary care physicians as well you know it's the same yes. thing. You know, easing people off these opioids is is one of the hardest things to do and it, it's it's such a labor intensive process that needs a clinician to be fully engaged with the patient in order to do it and there's very few services that i feel offer that in the uk and i'm not sh- entirely sure about globally but seemingly everything that's coming out in the us at the moment is suggesting <laughs> that is certainly not the case people like <laughs> yes. this do exist so for me the challenge the challenge for you is you know getting this adopted within the health um the healthcare system but it seems like you're well on your way you've already got people turning around from from pain 
um, teams and, and saying, you know, let's give that, let's give this a go. You, you know, you're, you, you're a class D medical device. So yes, you're ticking so many boxes. It seems like it'll only be, it's inevitable almost that, that this will, will come in as an option, but what is that path for you? What, what, what does the next few months look like in order to facilitate that and get that in further? So, I mean, at the moment we, we are doing quite a few white papers around bioelectronics and, and their effective use uh, in a, in a number of, clinical settings uh, or clinical applications as well as that uh, we are as I making inroads particularly through the, the pain the pain clinics uh, as an example um, one of the European hospitals that head of that pain team uh, you know for for want of an, an emotive um, description fell in love with our device mm. and uh, so you know he's the driver now behind getting that device into that hospital particularly through the pain team um, adding to that, uh, he lent the product to the uh, head doctor of the hospital who ended up purchasing his own unit. He, he liked it so much. So I think this education, this awareness, you know, there's a, quite a bit of stigma around um, TENS machines, as, mm. you know, as an example, because, you know, it's, that misused term is used to describe literally anything that provides stimulation through the skin. And that stimulation can be uh, wide and very, that could be anything that could be for neuromuscular, that could be for pain, that could be to reduce inflammation. Uh, those frequencies that are used in those devices, are, you, you don't know what's in them. Um, as much as you would say that, you know, a pill is a solution for something, uh, what you first want to know is what's in that pill. So describing something tends to merely a delivery method. But there's a, a misunderstanding around the technology. So one of the area for us is about the education of that. You know, we've got um, mm. we've got some good PhDs that that are already part of the team, and we've got some um, some you know some more joining the team to help us talk in a language that you know people like yourself or, or at, at a medical level can mm. clearly understand. Sorry, I was just going to say. It's fascinating, you know, because I know what some of these listeners are going to be thinking, listening mm -hmm. to this podcast, that if, mm -hmm. and, I, you know, it's, it's one thing that I'm battling with in my own mind as well, which is that if something sounds too good to be true, it probably mm -hmm. is. Because <laughs> yes. as, clin as clinicians, we're, we're so used to suffering. We're so used mm -hmm. to suffering with our patients going through those things. We're used to difficult roundabout solutions to things where we used to slow computers to print off discharge summaries we <laughs> to, you know we, we used yeah. to tech not working we you know that's what we're used to in, in mm -hmm. so much of our lives as clinicians and so when something comes along and and and, and they <laughs> they say i'll tell you what these opioids that have been doing all these horrible things but giving a decent amount of pain relief i'll tell you what we can replace it with this thing that's going to give you no side effects mm -hmm. um and actually better pain relief than the opioids was it's it sounds too good to be true but i completely agree with what you're saying is that the, the work that needs to be done now is actually that education bit because if indeed this th this is the case that that's the most important bit so as you say the phds working with the biomedical engineers in your team and all those different things to come up with these white papers is going to be hugely important because the bit that i would that, that i would highlight there as well in in when i asked you about what your approach was to get this adopted the bit that i would say is a huge amount of learning there for for all other health tech entrepreneurs listening is get people on the inside to champion it and sell it Correct. themselves because as an outsider to that hospital depending on where you are in the world if you don't wear a white coat or a pair of scrubs or you know roll your sleeves up to go on the wards and be bare below the elbow there, there are all these little idiosyncrasies about how to sell things to um to 
to healthcare systems. And if you don't fit that model, you're not going to be listened to. And so, you know, getting champions on the inside, be those clinicians, be those managers, be those innovation systems that work with those hospitals or or different things. It's getting those people on the inside to truly buy into what you do so that you can then on the back of their good words and goodwill, you know, make sales and, and distribute and make the impact that you're looking for with your company. I think that's a huge, huge learning point. Absolutely, it is. If you're interested, we'll be running CPD courses <laughs> later on in the year. So for, for, for professional points and, and those courses will be focused around the introduction and application of electronic medicine. On a serious note, keep me updated with that. <laughs> I, I genuinely, genuinely would be interested. Yeah, that's um, good. Cool. Um, so look, Ray, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It's been, um, it's been fascinating for me. I think I've learned, you know, I've learned a, a, certainly a lot more about um, the microcurrent stuff than I knew before. Um, mm. And it's interesting to, to just see how this fits in with that global opioid epidemic. And, you know, is this something that, that will proliferate within the healthcare system and actually go towards solving that problem? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think it is a huge problem that needs to be solved. As I say, I've, I've experienced it both from friends and, and patients and, and things. So I, yeah, full support in, in what you're trying to do. I think Thank you. You know, developing that evidence base um, is, is going to be, is going to be key. And I think the more people that you can win over and convince with that evidence base, the better. Um, yeah. And yeah, let's, let's hope it gets to the masses and works. Wonderful. Appreciate it. Um, so Rick, the way we end these, these podcasts is that um, we hand back over to you to kind of, summarize a little bit about yourself um, a little bit about neurocore and the device um, and to close us out to give us any asks that you've got of our audience i'm rick rowan the ceo and founder of neurocore biomedical Uh, if anyone's interested in knowing more about the company investing or looking for a solution for uh, themselves or, or a loved one or family and friends for both pain relief or physical condition you can pop over to neurocore, N-U-R-O-K-O-R.com and find our contact details there and some additional information. I'd love to hear from you. Cool. Thanks, Rick. You're welcome, James. Thank you.